Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host for today, Rachel Conroy. Since 2020, employee fundraising has changed along with shifting office working patterns. In this episode, we talk to Anna Milan, Senior Manager Community and Inclusion at ARM, to get her view from a business perspective on what gets employees engaged with charities when they're all working in a hybrid environment. Anna provides some solid examples that anyone working in corporate fundraising can take away and implement with their corporate partners. There are also some great ideas for businesses themselves, as Anna explained how ARM's Employee Community Engagement Programme recognises that everyone is different and very much aims to be employee-led. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So here's Anna. I'm very happy to be joined today by Anna Milan, who is Senior Manager, Community and Inclusion at ARM. How are you today, Anna? I'm very well, thank you, Rachel, and it's a pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me to, to join you. No problem at all. We're very excited. I've had a few people um, ask me about this topic, so I think this will be a very well listened to episode. So it would be great, Anna, if you could um, start off by telling me a bit about your background and what led you to becoming um, Senior Manager for Community and Inclusion at ARM. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, even before I kind of started my professional journey, I always had an interest in um, communications and what motivates people to do things and that's been a bit of a thread that's run throughout my career. So I started out actually working in the charity sector where I um, I kind of begun by managing a, a branch, um, the Cambridge branch of a small charity called Student Hubs and their um, mission is or their, their vision they say um, they create student-powered social change So their model was to work with universities to get students excited about social and environmental issues with the view that those students would become the leaders of the future. Um, And while I was working there, I became particularly interested in cross-sector partnerships, but put that to one side for a while because I went to work for the University of Cambridge and um, got a bit more experience in fundraising while I was working there. Um, And then I found my way to ARM and that was quite a big change for me because I'd never worked in the private sector before, let alone for a global technology company as we are at ARM. Um, What excited me about the role though was the opportunity to come back to that that kind of cross-sector partnership um, area that had interested me and look at it from the other side and see how corporates can be a force for good um, in our communities and um, in the world at large. Fantastic. Thanks, um, Anna. And yeah, as someone else who's, well, has only been in the charity sector my whole career, I can imagine what that transition was like. So it sounds like it was um, a good fit, though, and you've managed to make it work very well for you. So that's really good to hear. Um, So yeah, coming to ARM specifically, then, how does charitable giving and corporate fundraising work at ARM? And how does this fit into your broader employee community engagement programme? Yeah, so this is a complicated answer that I'm going to try to explain as simply as I can. Um, So broadly speaking, 
all of this around kind of um, charitable giving, corporate fundraising and employ uh, engaging our employees in, you know, local community fits into our wider sustainability mission. And for us as a technology company, that is to close the digital divide, as we call it, so that everyone everywhere can reap the benefits of technology. And then, of course, because we know that, you know, enabling more people to use technology creates a larger energy demand on the planet. The tension there is that we want to make sure that we're using our expertise in low power computing to try, try to do things more efficiently. So what this means is that our charitable giving policy is primarily focused on partnering with charities who are addressing this digital divide whether that's thinking about how to extend the benefits of technology to emerging market countries or whether it's thinking about how we can um, diversify the, the pipeline of science, technology, engineering and maths talent by, you know, exciting more girls about science, for example, or something else. Um, and then within that, we run our employee community engagement program, and that's called Team Arm. And th that is the program that I am responsible for. So Team Arm is, it's a really cool program. We basically give everybody at Arm at least half a day a month that they can spend volunteering or campaigning or fundraising. Um, and what we want to try to do there is to recognize that everybody at Arm is different and there will be things that we all care about and we want to support them to take action on whatever it might be that they care about, whether that's environmental or social or something else. So, we have a strategic focus on, on STEM outreach, that's science, technology, engineering, and maths. Um, but we try to balance this with being employee-led as well. So colleagues can use their time in any way they want within reason. But what, what we then do is we monitor the trends of the causes that our people are supporting with their money, with their time. Um, and then we take note and potentially integrate them into our programs. Um, and a great example of this actually is our partnership with the Movember Foundation. Um, so, you know, Movember, they're not a neat fit for ARM in terms of um, addressing uh, STEM challenges, addressing uh, technological you know, inequality. But in a workforce where we have a, a higher proportion of men than women, it wasn't at all surprising to see a bit of a, you know, organic movement around Movember every year at ARM. Um, and, you know, that has then flourished into kind of an, an established and formal partnership where we've been working with the Movember Foundation for, I think it's seven or eight years now. And we always see amazing participation from our people. Um, so just to kind of sum that up, I guess there are, there are three approaches. So one might be that we um, we partner with charities because it fits our sustainability mission. Um, one might be because it's employee led and then uh Several times a year, we will also put in place emergency responses to natural disasters as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Anna. And I think that's really interesting coming from a corporate fundraising background myself to be so employee led in terms of like thinking of new causes to support, kind of allowing people the autonomy as as um, your colleagues to, to have influence there. And, you know, I think people could take a lot from that as well. And in a world where we're all kind of all employers are thinking of employees as, as humans, as well as, you know, people that help kind of meet your business goals. I think that's a really interesting to take on kind of CSR and charitable giving to have it at that, as that employee led um, 
forward thinking. So yeah, thanks, Anna. That's a really interesting to hear. So you've kind of answered this, I guess, in your in this question of how charitable giving uh, works at ARM. But what do you think are the most important factors in getting employees engaged um, in the causes that ARM chooses to support at a company level, I guess, rather than those ones that the um, employees themselves choose to support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it is about having that balance of, of the kind of strategic goal of, of what's important to the company and then also balancing that with what, you know, our employees as uh, individuals care about. Um, but I think for us um, or for any company, really, then what's important is knowing your workforce's mindset. And whilst I wouldn't want to, um, you know, claim that everybody thinks the same at ARM, because that's absolutely not the case, um, we are 70 engineers, so we have a and what that means is that our people like they like evidence and they like proof um so when we're introducing a new partnership or we're explaining you know why we've chosen to put funding towards a certain cause we try to lead with this um and really show you know how arms involvement makes a difference and then use that as a call to action to how their their individual involvement can make a difference as well um There's a couple of other things that we found really makes a difference as well um, in terms of getting employees engaged in causes. One which has been significant, and this is kind of obvious but worth stating, is messaging from leadership. And actually not just messaging, it's really getting our leaders to lead by example. So whether that's, uh, you know, writing a post on Slack to say this cause is so great and I'm really proud that Arm is supporting them and I'm going to be giving my time or making a donation myself. Um, or or something else that is incredibly powerful for setting an example Um, and then similarly in terms of raising the profile and creating almost that um, that yeah that culture of giving I suppose something we try to do is a lot of storytelling so showcasing what colleagues are doing celebrating the the colleagues that go above and beyond um, and just trying to reinforce that culture that this is something we're we're proud of when people do it well. Brilliant, thanks, um, Anna. That's really helpful for our listeners, I think, to kind of think about the different ways that you can ensure that your kind of workforce is engaged. Um, really interesting to hear. And I think one thing that would be great to talk about is what working model um, has ARM taken since the pandemic, i.e. Are you hybrid? Do you fully move remote? Are you in the office? And how has um, this impacted employee engagement and fundraising at ARM? Yeah, so we have adopted a hybrid model. Um, because we're global, we, you know, we have offices in 50 locations. That is in a bit of a state of flux. So there are offices that go um, in and out of being more or less remote. Although, I, you know, I hope I haven't actually checked recently, but I'd imagine we're all pretty hybrid by now um it's it's definitely been a challenge to be honest in terms of engagement and things are starting to pick up but I think you know I would hope ARM is not alone in having found that employee engagement reduced during the pandemic and I think that's a natural human response to not being in the physical company of your colleagues um it's much harder to connect when you don't see somebody in 3D um but it was also an opportunity because 
um, we had to completely transition um, Team Arm as a programme and find new ways to engage people whilst we were all fully remote. And a lot of those have remained once we've come back to a hybrid model. So, for example, before the pandemic, all of the volunteering that we used to do was always in person, whereas now we've introduced quarterly uh, virtual volunteering days where everybody in the company is invited to do something online, which is more inclusive, um, tends to work better for, for parents and for people that have to work from home on that day. Um, and then, you know, there are some really great things that have kind of come out of it. So coming back to our November partnership, for example, every November since the pandemic, we've we, we run something called Coffee Roulette, where colleagues can sign up to be randomly paired with a another person in the organisation. Chances are, because we're 7,000 people, they may not know them or at least not well. Um, and then we always introduce a bit of a catch as a fundraiser for the Movember Foundation, which is that they have to find out how long their, their buddy has been at arm and then donate the equivalent um, of pounds or dollars per year to the Movember Foundation um and arm their matches that and that's been a nice way to kind of tackle that uh that breaking down of boundaries of making new connections and initiating you know less formal conversations in the organization um so there are some things that have stuck and then now that we're back and we're hybrid um a really cool thing that arm has started to do is we've run quarterly connect days as we're calling them where we uh soft mandate that everybody has to come into the office on that day and that's that's an opportunity because then we know that everybody, you know, in the Cambridge office is going to be there. And so that is a really great chance to bring in one of our charitable partners and put them in front of our people and use use that as a chance to raise raise kind of um, the message around what they're doing. Brilliant. Thanks, Anna. And just a, a follow up question on that. Actually, it's great to have the examples. I think it really puts it into context. You mentioned with the volunteering that you've gone from in-person to virtual and that's helped kind of with inclusivity and making it um, you know, easier for certain people to, to take part. What what are those kind of opportunities that are available for people to volunteer online? Yeah, it's a great question. And to tell the truth, I wish there were more. So I'll give two examples that we love at ARM. Um, also, if anybody's listening and they they know of others, then please find me and tell me. I would love to hear about them. Um, so the two that we love, um, one is called Zooniverse, like the zoo and a universe. Um, Zooniverse is a really, really cool citizen um, science powered data platform. So scientists around the world um, will run projects where they need to process vast amounts of data and machines aren't yet intelligent enough to, to do those jobs. So they rely on um, humans, on volunteers to process the data for them. So an example of a project might be um, classification of species type in sub-Saharan Africa. And the scientists will have a static camera um, in the location that they're interested in, or, or actually normally multiple cameras. There'll be a video feed that streams to Zooniverse and volunteers then spend time watching that video and clicking when they see an animal and classifying what that animal is. And it teaches um, the computer to recognize what those images are, but then the scientists can also use it to look at volumes of species in an area. Um, there's all kinds of projects on there. So, so lots of animal related projects, but also really random things to do with space and DNA and archives in libraries. So it's quite a 
mind expanding way to spend your time um, and also good for families. So that's fun. Um, the second project that we love is called Missing Maps. And that is a project run by a nonprofit called Humanitarian Open Street Map Team. Um, it's a similar premise. So Missing Maps exists because there are actually quite a staggering um, number of places in the world that don't formally exist on maps. So you would look them up on Google Maps. There might be a town with, you know, 20,000 people living there. And on Google Maps, it might just look like one road and no evidence of habitation. And the, the problem with this is that these parts of the road are often also quite prone to being affected by natural disasters. So when a disaster strikes, humanitarian organisations don't know who lives there. So what Missing Maps tries to do is take satellite imagery um, off, you know, houses, roads, rivers, other buildings. And then volunteers will look at that satellite imagery. They will draw boxes over buildings. Um, they will map out roads and um, map rivers and other more complex features. Um, so this is all open source, but it then um, is given to humanitarian organizations so that they have a better idea of who lives where. Um, they can plan in advance. They can also think about, you know, allocating their funding based on population needs and things like that. Um, both are brilliant. Both are quite simple. Anyone could do them, but they're also um, engaging enough as to not be boring for, you know, an hour or so at a time. Uh, yeah, they don't sound boring at all. Um, I mean, they both sound really interested, but particularly the first one, you have the excuse to be a mini Attenborough, which I think yeah. most of the British public wants to do at all times. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly. a fascinating one. And yeah, like you said, it's just, a great example two great examples of of what kind of companies can do and how much of an impact they can make uh, without in that traditional employee volunteering sense kind of you know going somewhere and potentially building something or or being directly with your more traditional beneficiaries it actually is a, is a great way to have a have an impact at scale as well and, and globally too so yeah thanks for sharing those Anna really interesting um and then I think we've got time for for one final question uh, for today so what are your top tips for charities who want to drive employee fundraising at their corporate partners who are working in a hybrid work setting in particular? Mm. Yeah, this is a great question. And um, I think the answer will hugely depend on, you know, who the corporate in question are, um, because whilst I'm sure we're all facing similar challenges with the transition to hybrid, um, there will also be distinct challenges. So I think my best tip would probably be to you know speak to your contact at that um, corporate partner to understand how things have changed for them what kind of issues they're facing around engagement and how you can maybe help to solve some of those issues or contribute to addressing them um, and then you know I think knowing that we're now in a world where not everyone is in the same physical space in the workplace um, I would probably come back to storytelling again and thinking about um, where digitally the company sees the most internal traffic, whether that's like their intranet, their Slack, um, their quarterly business update or something else, and then try to leverage those opportunities um, to get your charity's message across, um, whether that's through telling a story around how an employee in that corporate has been involved or um telling a story of what that might look like when the you know the company really get behind your mission 
Um, so trying to, I guess, bring bring your your mission, your vision to life in a way that is a little different to when we used to perhaps go into the office over lunchtime and, and present to colleagues. Brilliant. Um, thanks, Anna. And I think, you know, definitely one of the key themes here is, is and I think this kind of is born out of how ARM works in your in your charitable giving space, is that it's a lot about kind of there isn't a one size fits all. We need to kind of think more, okay, what fits for this individual? And then as a result, what fits for the, that community that works in that um, business as well and how that works. So yeah, um, thank you for um, spending time with me today. Um, it's just left for me to say um, goodbye and I hope you've enjoyed your time today, Anna. I absolutely have, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Rachel. Brilliant, thank you. big thank you to Anna for giving us a look behind the curtain and giving us an insight not only into what businesses do when it comes to employee fundraising, but as well sharing some key takeaways for those working in corporate fundraising to build their own plans for fundraising in a hybrid working environment. A core thread throughout our chat with Anna was the importance of understanding the employee's mindset. This is something that ARM do when building their own corporate responsibility and sustainability strategies, and is definitely something fundraisers can take on board by trying to make their workplace fundraising plans suitable for each corporate. The transition of many businesses to either fully virtual or hybrid working is an opportunity to bring new ideas to the table. This is a great time for charities to get to know what issues their corporate partners are facing around employee engagement and how you can work together to solve these. These new ideas can also prove to be more inclusive as it allows some staff to engage in ways they wouldn't have been able to before. We often talk about the importance of storytelling in the charity sector, and this doesn't change when it comes to thinking about good employee fundraising. In a hybrid setting, it's a great way for corporates and charities alike to keep staff engaged. Make sure you talk to your partners about what channels are used the most for internal communications and how you can get your story out on these mediums. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to listen to Charity Chat. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and any top tips that you might have for employee fundraising in a hybrid workplace. Find us on Twitter or LinkedIn to share your thoughts or email us on charitychatpodcast at gmail.com. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to, to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Askamit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org. Forest of Force for playing throughout the show and for playing us out now. I've been your host, Rachel Conroy. Thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.